Hey Northwest Arkansas, welcome to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. This week on Hey Hey NWA, we featured Adam Riley, who is a project manager at Feed Communities here in Northwest Arkansas. Now, he runs a bunch of programs that he'll delve into on the podcast, but um, mainly what he does is runs um, the community gardens around Northwest Arkansas for more vulnerable communities. Also, just drawing attention to the vulnerable communities that are here, that are food insecure, um, was a big part that I took away from this interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to Adam. He was really insightful in terms of, goodness, not just knowing uh, kind of what food insecurity looks like in Northwest Arkansas, but then also... Uh, he gave us some practical sort of ways that we can start gardening on our own, which was really fascinating. And a lot of that stuff I had no idea about. Yeah, I'm I'm not a gardener, don't have a green thumb, but I, I felt a little encouraged after talking to him. Yeah, and then if you're not interested in any of that, uh, we had a brief conversation about what it means to actually eat local, which was yeah. really interesting. So yeah. uh, uh, stick around for that for sure. So yeah, with all of that, welcome to another episode, and here we go. So do you want to kind of give us a little background as to uh, what Feed Communities is and what your role is in there? Sure. So Feed Communities is an organization that works in Northwest Arkansas, Washington, and Bent Counties, and our mission is to increase access to healthy foods for vulnerable populations throughout Northwest Arkansas. So we work with a number of different populations uh, in Northwest Arkansas, and we have a number of different programs um, to try and fulfill our mission. So one of our biggest programs is called Reach Out and Connect, and that's a program that we have in partnership with UAMS Northwest, uh, the medical school down in Fayetteville. And through that program, it's a three-year grant from the CDC to try and improve nutrition within the Marshallese and Hispanic populations in Northwest Arkansas. So what we do as part of that grant is we work with churches and schools with high populations of Marshallese and Hispanic people mm-hmm. to try and improve uh, nutrition amongst those populations. Specifically through gardening, we also do healthy eating and nutrition classes. And we've translated a lot of um, healthy recipe books and that sort of thing. We cool. also work with food pantries throughout Northwest Arkansas to try and improve fresh produce um, access within food pantries. One of the biggest problems that food pantries have is having fresh, healthy food. Most of the food that is donated to food pantries is, you know, it's shelf stable. It's going to be cans of green beans, cans of corn, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a severe lack of fresh produce and fresh protein uh, at those food pantries. So we work with them to try and solve those problems through that grant also. We have a, a number of other programs as well. We work um, with preschoolers. We have a, a program called Farm to Preschool. And that is gardening education for preschoolers, which is super fun and crazy and, and messy. Um, do you get a hand in that? What's like, that? Do you get to do you get to work in that program a little? A little yeah, bit? a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we're starting a new program this year with the Washington County Detention Center, which I'm really excited about. We're going to be working uh, at the at the prison down south of Fayetteville with the female inmates and we're starting a community garden for them and we're going to do gardening education for the female inmates and they're all going to get their own individual plots and the food that they grow in their plot they're going to be able to send back to their families which i think is awesome yeah because it's it's going to give them a new skill Mm -hmm. Um, we're, we're hoping to get some grant funding to where we can 
put together a little gardening package when, once they finally get out with some gardening tools and some seeds and that sort of thing so they can continue to use that education. We're, we're, we're trying to develop a formal curriculum so that they have a program that they can go through and complete and graduate, which a lot of these women have never actually completed any kind of educational program before. And, you know, we're really excited about the empowerment of it, being able mm. to provide for your family in some way while you're behind bars, I think would be, if I was in jail, that's something that I would really be interested in and really yeah. want to participate in. And, you know, we, we went down there a few weeks ago and we talked with the women and literally every single woman, every single one that was eligible to participate in the program has signed up. Wow. So we're, we're excited about that. So that's a ton of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> There's other stuff I haven't even mentioned. But, uh, wow. Well, yeah. let's um, get in and unpack some of that stuff because um, that's a lot to go through. Number one, so kind of going back to the beginning of that conversation, yeah. you talk about working with the Marshallese and Hispanic populations in Northwest Arkansas um, or populations that are vulnerable is the mm-hmm. word you used. Uh, what creates vulnerability for food? Um, and nutrition, especially maybe particularly this area, but um, what are the what are the big problems that create the systems that we have and the lack of uh, nutrition or right, access to food? Right. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So Northwest Arkansas is one of the most food insecure areas of the mm. country. So when we say food insecurity, uh, the, the simplest way to define that would be you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Um, so we're at, I think, Benton County, 16% of people in Benton County are food insecure. Wow. So that's one in six huh. people. Um, hmm. That's really high. Uh, there are other parts of Arkansas that are worse. If you go, so there's some counties down in the Delta that are as high as 36%. Mm-hmm. Um, but statistically compared to the rest of the country, this is an incredibly food insecure area, Hmm. which is crazy because we have, you know, obviously Walmart here, Tyson here, some of the biggest companies in the world are represented here. We have farmland everywhere. You know, this is a fertile region Mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of people don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So that's what what we mean when we when I say vulnerable um, is, is specifically with regards to food security. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why people would be food insecure, um, job security, um, not being able to access. Uh, subsistence programs like food stamps for whatever reason if you're an undocumented person you're unable to access food stamps if you make just enough money to where you are just above the threshold of qualifying for food stamps you Mm -hmm. can't get them uh that that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um so there's there's a lot of things that we can do to try and alleviate that and to, to create a stronger food system. But the, you know, one of the biggest underlying problems is the food system as a whole, you know, so like there, that, that those food insecurity statistics I talked about, there's a really good map. If you go online, um, I think it's called the website's called feeding the world or feeding America, something like that. Mm-hmm. They have a County by County food insecurity map. Okay. Hmm. And there's another map that you can look at side by side. They don't have it on their website, but I show people this all the time. And, it's a map of the highest prevalence of obesity and type 2 diabetes, county by county. Okay. And if you look at the two maps side by side, they correlate almost 100%. Hmm. Every single state down to the county that has the highest instances of obesity and type 2 diabetes also have the highest levels of food insecurity. And that's because our food system is, is broken. Mm. You know, the, the cheapest food you can buy is the unhealthiest. Mm. And why is that? Uh, because it's subsidized that way. Okay. So our government subsidy programs uh, that support uh, our food system benefit people who grow corn, and corn is used to make the products that are unhealthy. Okay. Mm. Well, and I'm sure... Um, 
also just the just the rise of just consumerism and convenience is also at play in that um just you know making things as accessible and cheap as possible just sure. that's the that's the drive and the instant gratification instead of the i'm growing it myself um and i'm taking the time to prepare it myself you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. absolutely uh, that's me reading and, into it <laughs> and and it's cultural as well hmm. you know if if you and don't have transportation and you live in downtown Springdale, you're not going to be able to get to a healthy food supermarket. You maybe have to walk to the gas station to get your meal or walk to McDonald's right. or something like that. Right. Um, and you know, if you're making seven twenty-five an hour, you're not going to be shopping at Whole Foods. Yeah. You know, healthy no, food is sure. just not a priority. It just is not a priority in your life when, when you're that, when you're that vulnerable financially. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, um, economic reasons as well okay. for, for people not being able to, to, to get that food because, you know, realistically healthy food is more expensive. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of millennials spend more money on food than than if, if they if they have that opportunity, mm-hmm. because we we kind of have um, started to recognize the flaws in the system, and 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 want to try and participate in a local food economy, or we want to try and participate in a healthy food economy. And that's a great step forward, but we need to be able to democratize that and, and make that available to everybody, not just white middle class suburban millennials. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what my question then is how do we as a system or as individuals make democratize that? What is the movement? How do we do that? Um, either as individuals or as, communities or uh how do we go about doing that sure um i mean that's a huge question (laughs) (laughs) yeah solve all the world's problems yeah right now that'd be great i think it's really important that all of us participate in the local food economy because if we're purchasing food that is grown or produced locally we are not only buying food that's healthier for us it has a smaller carbon footprint uh, and is outside of the the corporatization of food but we're also helping our neighbor because our neighbor is the one that's growing the food we're we're putting that money right back into the local economy here in northwest arkansas so i mean that could be as simple as purchasing your your produce from the from the farmers market i know bentonville has a relatively new farmers market that's great and it's, it, I, I really enjoy it and of course fayetteville has one of the oldest farmers markets in the country it's been around for 40 something years oh. um and all choosing to patronize restaurants and cafes that support local farmers local producers it's another way to do that gotcha um i know down in south fayetteville we have uh, like the farmer's table cafe yeah. yeah which is an excellent example of that they really put their money where their mouth is i think that they put have put over like five hundred thousand dollars back into wow the last holy cow something like that. i think it might be more than that i don't mm-hmm. really don't quote me on that but <laughs> it's a lot it's a yeah. lot yeah um, uh Adrian and Rob down there have done a great job. And I'm sure that there are examples of that up here in Bentonville that I just don't know about because I don't actually eat up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so here's a question, and this is something I've been wrestling with since I've moved up here, thinking about contributing to local economy. Is Tyson local? Ah, yeah, it is. I mean, so that's, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I've kind of, I've been wrangling with that sort of conundrum myself i can just kind of joke with my girlfriend the other day that you know if you go if i go shop at walmart i'm supporting my local economy right right, right. <laughs> but it's kind of you know maybe it's not as simple as that because tyson and walmart uh, obviously provide tons of jobs mm-hmm. to this region and they put tons of money into this region and i'm not a native northwest arkansas so i had a lot of preconceived notions about walmart as a company before i came to live here um and some of them have been challenged since i moved here okay uh because i realized that they i think 
have at least maybe in the last several years become very sensitive about how they look to the country and 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 are, are seem to be putting a lot of money into trying to change that that look the perception that of, perception mm-hmm. exactly exactly which is a good thing um so i would say I guess you could say in the simplest terms, yeah, if you're, if you're eating Tyson chicken and shopping at Walmart, you're supporting our specific local economy. But in the greater sense, maybe not because there's a good chance that those products you're buying from Walmart were not produced here right. in Northwest mm-hmm. Arkansas. And you're supporting publicly traded companies. It's, it's kind of not the same thing, in, 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 in my opinion. It is, but it isn't. You know? Right, yeah. right. It's, it's, it's a kind of a tricky one, I think. <laughs> it creates a fun conundrum, for sure. Yeah. So. Well, and how do you even walk into like a Walmart and, and know where the produce is coming from in the first place? Is there, is there any way to know? Is there... Yeah. How, do, um, how would so, you know? So, product origin, labeling... Um, I believe was made non-mandatory recently. Hmm, so really? it's not mandatory to label origin. Um, but if you go to a lot of grocery stores now, you will see um, where, what country at the very least that, that produce may have been grown in. So, but I mean, there's some surefire ways to tell, like if you're buying an apple in January, it probably didn't get grown here in Northwest Arkansas. Right, right. That's a good point. You know. <laughs> um, but I just want to, like, really quick go back um, to what we were talking about, how we can, all of us, try and work towards food secure, greater food security mm-hmm. um, as a community, as an individuals. The, the biggest piece of federal legislation that supports food subsidy programs is the Farm Bill. And not not a lot of people know what's in the Farm Bill. But the biggest part of the Farm Bill, 60% of what's in the Farm Bill, is actually the the money that goes towards food stamps subsidies. So $800 billion goes towards food stamps. Wow. Um, And the Farm Bill is coming up for renewal next year in September. So given the current political climate of slash and burn there's a very good chance that the farm bill is going to be looked at very closely in the, in the following year hmm. and uh, i would i would venture a guess that that food subsidies are probably going to be on the chopping block right so uh, in a more macro sense than just you know shopping at, at local grocery stores more macro political advocacy sense people need to be aware of that and people need to make sure that they are talking to their, their representatives about about the farm bill, and that they that they do do not approve of ma- massive cuts to that to that program. But obviously, the long term goal is that we don't have anyone on SNAP benefits. Right. We don't. You know, nobody wants to be on food stamps. Mm-hmm. Right. That people would mostly want to be able to take care of themselves. You know, and that kind of goes back to a larger part of what we do, which is teaching people how to grow their own food. There's a lot of fascination with gardening or like having your own garden in your own backyard. Um, We can get to that in a second, but I would love to talk about uh, the work that you do as what what is your role exactly? A manager of those? Yeah, so things? I'm a program manager. So, okay. um, you know, I do spend a little bit of time in the office, as little as I can get away with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of what I'm doing is boots on the ground management of, of our of our gardening education programs and, and and that sort of thing. Yeah. So tell us about one of those gardening education programs. Tell us what that looks like and. Uh, what's a day in the life of a manager doing one of these programs? <laughs> so going back to the orig- the first program I mentioned, REACH. Um, so like I said, we work with 27 churches and schools in that program, specifically within the Marshallese and Hispanic populations. And we have 
11 gardens on site at churches. And we have a dozen churches involved in gardening at the Springdale Community Garden. And then we have a number of schools that we work with as well. So a large part of my day is driving around, um, talking with the people at these churches, uh, discussing any problems that they may be having in their garden, taking a look at things, making sure that, that things are growing right. When we started this program, or when I started, there were still people who are, were, are, were at such a basic level of gardening knowledge that they weren't quite sure what was the weed and what was the seedling. So the people that we're working with have, are starting from, most of them are starting from zero knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've never been in the garden before. And in the last couple of years that the program's been around, they've made a lot of uh, growth with that. Uh, so uh, there's a number of churches now that have really awesome gardens, and there's a few people who are really excited about it. Yeah. And they're really excited to get back in the garden this, this yeah. spring. So are these classes, or you know, do you have a, hey, on Friday afternoon, yeah. we're going to all show up together, and Adam's going to show us what we're growing this summer or spring? So we have formal gardening classes. Um, when we bring in a new church, we will do some formal gardening education with them. But personally, I think that when it comes to gardening, the best education is just to have a mentor and be out in the garden doing stuff and, and, and just talk to them about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Gotcha. And that's what I try and do a lot of, um, is just directly working in the garden with people. Okay. So is that what you did today at work? Is... Uh, no. So today I was building a hoop house, greenhouse, hoop, um, greenhouse. Uh, at the at the, commu- the Springdale Community Garden where, like I said, 12 of our, our churches are at the Springdale Community Garden. So I'm rushing to get that done so we can get some seedlings in there. Yeah. What's the hope for the greenhouse? What were you? What are you guys growing in there? Is there? Uh, we're something... gonna we're gonna do some seed starting in there. Okay. So you know some some plants. Um, some vegetables are better started in a greenhouse or started in your house and then transplanted as seedlings rather than putting the seeds directly into the garden. Gotcha. Such as what I'm, I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, tomatoes would be the best example. Okay. Yeah. So it's good to start your tomatoes indoors, um, Mm -hmm. and then transplant them out when they're a little bit more robust. Are they just gotcha. fragile when they're seedlings? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah, gotcha. and it gives you an earlier jump start on the spring. Okay. If you if you you know if you can start your plants indoors or in a greenhouse, you can kind of get your your seedlings to a healthy level right as that last frost date comes about, which our average last frost date in Northwest Arkansas is about April twentieth, twenty second, something okay. like that. So. Gotcha. Know, that as soon as that's there, rather than starting from a seed, you're starting with a little seedling, so you get a little bit more of a, a jump on the hmm. on the spring. Cool. Yeah. Very good. So you do these formalized classes. You do some mentorship programs. What about the uh, the food preparation um, sort of courses that you mentioned earlier? Um, yeah. So we do some we we do some healthy eating classes. I'm I'm not as involved with that. Uh, we, uh, one of our other employees does a lot of that. Um, but we'll, we'll, one of the biggest things with this program and with gardening education is actually teaching people how to eat the food that they're growing in the garden. Because, you know, a lot of people who are starting to garden may not have ever eaten some of the more exotic vegetables that you can grow in the garden. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, like a lot of the Marshallese people we work with have never eaten an eggplant before. Mm-hmm. So we had to go and show them how to prepare an eggplant and how, what they, how they can cook it and what they can use it with and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Gotcha. Um, so, and that's the same with a lot of people uh, who are from a lower income bracket. They may not have eaten some of the more exotic vegetables mm-hmm. or they may not be used to preparing their, their food from scratch every mm-hmm. night. So gardening right. education is really it really important, but but teaching people how to cook the food is really important as well. Mm-hmm. So they're actually eating it because if you're growing all this great food and handing it out, and then it just gets thrown in the trash, and then right. you've kind of wasted your time. Right. True. Yeah. And also, kind of going back to um, the gardening aspect is you know it's it's done in the community garden, but have you seen um, people try to bring? 
or start gardens at their own places or elsewhere. Is that something that's even, um, I guess, an initiative? Yeah, I mean, there's been some organic growth amongst the the communities that we've been working with in that program. Last year, we had um, a couple of people from one of the churches just go off and start their own garden in their yard, mm-hmm. um, which is, is exactly what you want to see. Right. You know, you want to see people just kind of taking what they've learned and going and doing it themselves because mm-hmm. obviously... We're not get we're this the the grant that we're working with these people through is ending this year. So okay. you know, after this year, w- our hope is that the people have learned enough and they're enthusiastic enough that they are just are going to continue to to garden. Right. And obviously, we'll probably have some some people quit, but I think a lot of them will continue as mm-hmm. well, which is great. Which, and then that carries over into, you talk about organic growth and the best way to teach is mentoring. So someone can start this thing in their own backyard and like invite their neighbors over for Mm -hmm. dinner and say, Hey, I grew this in my own backyard. Mm -hmm. You know, you might get some of that organic growth in a neighborhood even. And if anyone who's listening is interested in learning how to garden, the best advice I can give you is to, to try and join a community, a community garden. Okay. Uh, because community gardens are great for finding other people who know how to grow food and look at what they're doing and, 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 and kind of talk to them about what may have gone wrong or, hey, what should I plant now? What would go good here? That sort of thing. It's a great way to meet those mentors. Gotcha. Uh, you know, we, we have the Springdale Community Garden, which is on Emma. Um, we have... Uh, a neighborhood garden that we manage in South in South Fayetteville, okay, uh, which is just on just south of the Fayetteville Public Library at our offices. Okay, Locust. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and now's the time to sign up for these places because you're kind of ramping up for yeah, the spring. And yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would love to talk about um, gardening in our own backyards uh for those of us who are interested in that sort of thing we've maybe have connected with people who know how to do this um what are some easy first steps to kind of get a garden in your own backyard started um um, so if people are interested and they want to start a garden they want to learn how to garden my my number one recommendation is always to start small and start simple Okay. You know, don't try and stretch yourself out too much in the first year. You know, maybe if you're going to do raised beds, just maybe make two four by eight raised beds and grow okay. out of that in the first year. And then you can always expand from there. Even in, even later on in that year, if you want to do a garden in the fall and you build a couple more beds and go for it in the fall. But you don't want to get overwhelmed uh, in the first year um, with with weeding with watering that sort of thing right, you know right. there is a lot of work that goes into 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 a garden and if you've never done it before it can be easy to maybe underestimate that that kind of work mm-hmm. if, especially if you you know have a full-time job as well right for sure. so you know start start simple try and do some some uh, four or five different vegetables that you know you and your family are going to eat and going to enjoy mm-hmm. you know and and try and find varieties that are known to be robust and disease resistant right and if you look through uh you know the seed catalogs you can go to johnny seeds or high mowing organic or baker creek and when you read the descriptions a lot of them will say you know disease resistant to this or um you know mm-hmm super hardy, fast grower, big producer, that sort of thing. Right, you right. Know, those are the sort of words you want to look for. Okay, good deal. What about, so I'm interested in this because I grew up in a farming community and a buddy of mine who lived down the street, his dad worked in uh, pesticides and insecticides. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who grows a garden in their own backyard, what do you do about insects or weeds or that sort of thing? Just pick them if they grow or you know what about insects in particular maybe well you know if if people are interested in organic strategies so they want to have an organic garden there's a number of different ways to deal with weeds and to deal with insects in your garden Um, the first thing to keep in mind is that 
it's okay to have a few insects in your garden. Mm-hmm. Not all insects are bad. A lot of them are beneficial. Um, and even the ones that are bad are going to feed the ones that are beneficial. So mm-hmm. it's okay to tolerate a little bit of insect activity in your garden. If you've got a bunch of bugs in your garden, that's a good sign. It means that your garden has got a lot of life in it. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not killing everything in your garden with pesticides. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, if they start getting out of hand, then there's, there's things that you can do to treat that. Uh, you can put, plant a sacrificial plant. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, if, if you, if you do a little bit of research, you'll find that certain bugs really like to eat certain plants. So you can put one of those in or you can plant them between your rows Gotcha. Um, wow. and, and, and they'll, they'll go for that over your plant. And then at the right time you can pull it out and take Create a decoy. Wow. Yeah. You that can, is so strategic. I love that. <laughs> you can pick them off by hand, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you start seeing some bugs, just get a little jar full of soapy water and just grab them and throw them in the, the first thing in the morning is the best time to do that. Cause they're kind of, they're kind of chilled out. Um, if you if you see eggs on uh, underside, look at the undersides of your leaves. If you see little egg clusters, if you can figure out what they're from, go ahead and pull those off. Gotcha. And, and just kind of get them early. You know, one of my favorite sayings is the best fertilizer is a gardener's shadow. That means that more than your the more that you're in your garden, the more that you're looking at things, uh, the better your plants are going to grow because you're going to be able to catch stuff early. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if your pests get to the point where they're just completely unmanageable before you notice them, then, you know, you're going to have to resort to probably spraying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are organic sprays that you can use. Okay. But, you know, it's important to cultivate a healthy garden, healthy soil. And if your soil is healthy and your plants are healthy because your soil is healthy, mm-hmm. they're going to be less affected by pests by insect pests and if your soil is healthy you're going to have those beneficial insects that are going to be there like lady like ladybugs ladybugs are a great beneficial insect they eat aphids like crazy they love eating aphids parasitic wasps are another one so parasitic wasps are super cool they'll actually lay their eggs inside of things like tomato hornworms which are those big green caterpillars that you get on your tomato plants okay Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the larva will hatch inside of them and they'll eat them from the inside out. <laughs> that is yeah. so metal. <laughs> so if you see a tomato hornworm and it's got a bunch of white little things coming out of it, that means it's been infected by a parasitic wasp. Wow. Leave that one on there. Okay. Because all of those, all of those larvae will, will hatch and they'll kill they'll, they'll they'll keep doing that yeah and so it's you know there's a lot of strategies uh like that that you you know that will help you manage pests in your garden with things like weeds again it's cultural try not to till your garden too much mm-hmm. because every time you till it you're disturbing the soil you're bringing up weed weed seeds something like a handful of soil has something like 10,000 weed seeds like there's a crazy amount okay like just they're all just laying dormant right and you know a, a plant that is a weed is going to be evolved through nature to grow as fast as it can and to get up as quick as it can and it's going to mm-hmm. outcompete your vegetables right mm-hmm. so i mean i'm not i'm not a strong like i'm not so strong on like the no-till thing i mean a lot of people have amazing gardens that are no-till gardens but i do think that you have to work towards that you can't just i mean some people do just go out and just like put some stuff in the ground and they're so you're wild right exactly exactly uh but i guess i'm a little bit more old school that i do occasionally till and 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 i especially when i'm starting a garden um but do it selectively okay uh mulching is a great way to keep weeds down so you can mulch with straw you can mulch with leaves Mulch with wood chips. I prefer uh, leaves or straw. Okay. Uh, or you can even plant um, a ground cover of clover um, to try and keep weeds down. Gotcha. Cover crops are another great organic strategy. If you plant uh, um, some cover crops in your garden in the fall, plant some co- clover and some rye, let that grow up. That's going to keep weeds from growing up over the winter. And it's going to add nitrogen to your soil. It's going to add a lot of organic matter to your soil. Mm-hmm. You can till that in in the spring. 
and all of that will boost fertility in your in your yeah. soil. So let's. Uh, uh, you mentioned creating a healthy um, atmosphere in the soil for your garden. What are some strategies starting out to create healthy soil? You know, um, don't spray on on your soil. Herbicides okay. and pesticides and and uh, inorganic fertilizers will kill your soil biome. So that's the, the soil is a living thing, mm. and you can kill it just like any other living thing. Right. And, you know, there are millions and millions, billions of orga- organisms in your soil working together, uh, just like there are above above the soil. So you have to be careful with what you're putting in there. Um, try not to compact your soil. That's another thing that mm. will kill it. So if you have beds, I really like raised beds because when you when you have a raised bed you know where to walk you know where not to walk you have your little rows between your between your beds right. and you're not walking on your bed rows and compacting that soil and killing that that soil biome mm-hmm. um, you're also helping retain moisture uh, raised raised garden beds heat up a little bit faster okay. um, the, you know they don't create frost pockets so like if you have a frost it's going to settle in below oh, okay. your raised beds gotcha. that sort of thing so you know when I say raised beds, I don't necessarily mean you have to build boxes. You know, you can mound your soil, like oh, like when okay. you see a raised bed row, at, uh, like yeah. a farm. Um, right. You yeah. know, that's how I have my garden. I just have them. Mounds. mounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, mounded rows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not just a, a yeah. hill of dirt or anything <laughs> that you just throw my seeds yeah. in and see what happens. You're just a wealth of knowledge on all of this. Where did you, where did this start? Like in in your own life, just where did you grow up gardening or? No, I didn't. Um, I'm not from a family of gardeners at all. I I was born in England in an industrial town and I moved, my family moved to the US when I was nine. We moved to Florida and I grew up in a suburb. And when I was about 17, my parents uh, decided to buy f- six acres um, in middle of the countryside in Florida. And we moved out there and they started raising alpacas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They had an alpaca farm. Um, and I went back to, to university in the UK. And I, my, my university was in London. And living in London sucked. Like, it's a cool city. It's awesome. But just, it gets dark at like four in the afternoon. It's great. <laughs> it's uh, just nothing but buildings. Sounds like Chicago. Yeah. yeah. I, I <laughs> so I really needed an outlet for that. And I found, um, I had been interested in something called permaculture. Um, and I found something, uh, a permaculture program that was going on south of London. And I started participating in that. Permaculture is a design system that uh, is involved with like holistic systems. So it's agriculture, it's architecture, it's your home, mm-hmm. it's everything kind of brought together to create a, uh, a sustainable system. Yeah. So I once I started going through this permaculture program and getting my permaculture diploma, um, I, I got involved with the community garden there and just started gardening in the UK. Um, and I, I realized how important it was for, for many, many reasons. And I just kind of got hooked from there. Hmm. I did a lot of traveling since then. I've had gardens whenever I could, um, in, in, in my home life and, 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 and personally. Um, and I started working as a professional shearer about 10 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> So How did you I, start doing that? How did um, you get into that? So right before I left for college, I did an apprenticeship as a professional packet shearer. The guy who was coming to shear my parents' alpacas. Okay. I needed a job, needed some way to pay my way through school. So um, I, I started doing it for the money and then realized that it was actually a really awesome, cool gig. So by the okay. time I got out of college, I just kept doing it because I was making enough money where I could work for three months out of the year and then take the other nine months off. Holy! <laughs> <laughs> so 
Did he find him the wrong job? Right. <laughs> he was looking for a career change. So I shared April, May, June, and I worked in Europe and I worked in the U.S. Um, shearing alpacas and sheep. Uh, and I got to visit hundreds of farms that way. And through that experience over the years working with so many farmers, I realized that there are so many farmers just even even within our agricultural system there's so many farmers that are so disconnected from the food supply mm. that they're still buying cheap unhealthy food from Walmart or from from the Dollar General because that's the only store in their town if you drive through the deep south of this country in the agricultural working areas most towns you will find nothing except a gas station and dollar general and a post office those are the only things that are left around so the there. farmers who are producing the produce that the rest of the country eats don't have access to fresh produce is what you're saying most of them yeah wow yeah. okay yeah fascinating right awful fascinating right right okay so you did the shearing gig uh, for a while. How did you end up in Northwest Arkansas? Um, so my family moved out here uh, a few years ago to uh, get away from Florida, get some more land. You know, they sold their six acres and got like 40 acres up here. So they, gotcha. you know, they traded up land wise. Um, <laughs> and they, you know, they just wanted something a little bit different. And I came up, I really liked it here. And then a couple of years ago, my dad had a stroke. So I moved up here to try and take care of their farm while he was getting better hmm. and decided to stay after that. So they still raise alpacas? They have a few. Yeah, they okay. have about 15 alpacas still, which is not much. But if you've ever been to the Fayetteville Farmer's Market, my mom sells alpaca products there that she handmakes. She's <laughs> been there for like three years, four years. So, cool. yeah, she's the alpaca out. lady. <laughs> the alpaca lady. Wow. Look for her. Yeah. So you got plugged in with Feed Communities at that point? Or? Um, I started working for Feed Communities uh, less than a year ago. Okay. So, yeah, I'm still relatively new at Feed Communities. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but I was, I, one of my first friends that I made here had, had been working there, Katie, and um, I was aware of what they were doing as an organization. One of the other things that we do, which a lot of people aren't aware of, is we publish Edible as Arkansas as well. So what was it? The, the Edible magazine. Have you ever seen Edible Lowe's yes, Arkansas? It's the free publication that's all over mm -hmm. Northwest Arkansas. We published that. So um, uh, that was how I knew about Feed Communities okay. before I started working there. Was, gotcha. It was through Edible. Because you were already in on the what is su sustainable farming and gardening. Because you enjoyed it yourself. Yes. It was you a, got yeah, into Edible. It was a strong and, interest of, gotcha. of mine. Exactly. Very good. Yeah. And then you ended up? So I ended up working for him. There was we ended up working for him. Yeah. <laughs> Good, man. Okay, so what does the future of feed communities look like? Do you have any insight? You're going to start raising alpacas? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to raise alpacas. Um, the future of feed communities is... I, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future of feed communities. We have, we're talking with a couple of potential funders. Um to expand our programs uh, up here to Bentonville, maybe Springdale, okay. um, to to try and get a greater reach uh, within the community. We have a, another program, which I didn't mention, called Plant a Row, uh, which is a really great program where we ask local gardeners and producers to plant an extra row or to plant whatever they can to donate to local food pantries. Okay. It goes back to that, that need for fresh, healthy food mm -hmm. at the local food pantries. And last year we had, I think, 60 gardeners signed up. This year we have almost 100. Wow. So it's growing. It's a mm -hmm. great program. I'd ask anyone who's listening who is a gardener and knows a gardener to please consider donating some of their food to local food pantries. Yeah. Um, you know, m middle of the year, food pantries go through a severe shortage. Everybody feels generous during the holidays and they mm -hmm. get inundated with food during the holidays. But June, July, August... Food pantries really struggle to get food through the door. Really? So if you really want to make a difference in your local food pantries, and there's a lot of them in Springdale, there's a number of them here in Rogers, um, please consider donating midsummer and try and donate fresh, healthy food if you can. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Very good. What else is on kind of the horizon 
for feed communities? Are there programs you guys are looking at developing? I mean, you said you guys might be removing yourself from some stuff soon with funding ending. That's, that's right. Thing. Yeah, that's right. So we have the, the new prison garden program, which mm-hmm. we're really mm-hmm. excited about. Um, we're looking to expand um, into Springdale with a uh, community garden teaching center and food hub and oh, cool. uh, distribution food distribution center and tool library, which is another thing that we yeah. um, we have uh, what the Oz Arkansas Tool Library, which is something we do in partnership with uh, the Fayetteville Public Library. So anyone with a Fayetteville Public Library card can come in. We have over 200 gardening tools, power tools, home improvement tools in our basement. And you can check them out free of charge, keep them for a week. Wowzers. And it's a great program. We're really hoping to expand and, and have another branch of that in Springdale and maybe even here in Ben. Oh, yeah. That'd be incredible. Yeah. And then we also are starting this year a seed library with the Fayetteville oh, Public Library. Yeah. <laughs> so we um, have a whole bunch of organic, open-pollinated seeds. If anyone's interested in gardening and they don't have the money to buy seeds, come to the Fayetteville Public Library. We have a kiosk. It's on the honor system. You can take any as many seeds as you need. We ask if you can, if you have the ability, save some of those seeds and bring them back at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do some classes to teach people on how to save seeds from their own garden. Oh, cool. So that hmm. you buy them once and you'll never have to buy them again. You can save all your own seeds, which is the ultimate in food security. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And fascinating. Uh, there's some seed swaps coming up this month as well. So if people are interested in getting seeds to start their garden, there's a seed swap tomorrow in Springdale at the Shiloh uh, Museum, which probably is going to be done being this <laughs> Yeah, when's um, the one after that? It'll be great, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> there's one on the 18th at Tricycle Farms. Tricycle Farms. In South Fayetteville on Garland, okay. uh, which is going to be a good one. That's their th- I think it's their third annual. So just look up seed swap. I'm sure there's a few more that I don't even know about. Okay. Um, uh, and come check out the seed library in the, in the Fayetteville Public Library. We'll have seeds there. Yeah, may have to da- dip in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some ways that we can support you? What are some ways that we as individuals can support what you, Adam, are doing and what Feed Communities as a whole is doing? Um, well, they can donate money, okay. <laughs> to, to put it frankly. Yeah. You know, any, any organization... Uh, Nonprofit, small nonprofit working in this area in food security, and we're certainly not the only one. Um, Tricycle is also working. Seeds at Seeds at Feed, Apple Seeds is another one. Um, are all working in, in gardening and education and nutrition education, and they're they're all doing great work. And if you can do, if you can donate money, that's great. If you can donate time, that's good too. We have a volunteer sign up on our website. Um, we are always looking for volunteers to help out in the gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, donate f- food to local food pantries through our plant to row program. That's okay. another thing that is really would be really helpful. And um, get the word out. Is there anything that you you would like to see in Northwest Arkansas in the future that maybe feed communities isn't necessarily doesn't have like a vision for yet, but just. Um, maybe some gaps that you see. I know you talked about um, how you think the uh, the women's prison community garden that really you're really passionate about that. I just didn't know. I just want to pick your brain to see if there was anything else that you. Um, I would I I would love to see our local food scene continue to grow and evolve mm-hmm. here in Northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just in the few years that I've been here, I've seen it come a long way, but it's still compared to a lot of other parts of the country in very early stages, yeah. you know? So from a personal level, I'd love to see some more rest of our restaurants support local food culture mm-hmm. and support local farmers. Um, I going back, I do know Tuscan Trotter supports local yeah. farmers. Yeah. 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 That is a Bentonville one. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see that continue to grow and to see, to see, um, more and more people participate in the local food economy. I mean, we're seeing every year new farmers markets springing up, um, which is great. And people, mm-hmm. more and more people go into farmers markets. So yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah. So how can we keep up with you? You guys have a Facebook page. You guys have a website. Yeah, we have a Facebook page, Feed Communities, uh, on on Facebook. 
we are we post all of our events on there we have a, a class coming up on the 18th tool at the tool library teaching basic power tool skills cool so if you've never used a power tool before or there's a certain tool that you want to learn how to use for a project come down and we'll show you how to use it in a safe and efficient way um we're we have our own website feedcommunities.org and you can go on there and find out more about our programs and donate that way yeah and if you like regardless if you're going to be a gardening person or not the tool program and the shared (laughs) tools thing is like vastly way way cool so like definitely go check that out um if you have like a home renovation project like (laughs) this is like an invaluable resource that a lot of cities don't have so you can save yourself some serious money yeah check that out for sure anyway that's plug but you do (laughs) but you do need a Fayetteville public library card okay yeah make sure you get one of those too uh, just move to Fayetteville. Just move to Fayetteville. Well, you, you can get a Fayetteville Public Library card without being a Fayetteville resident. resident. You just have to pay a little bit for it. Okay. Uh, there you go. Well, thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for sitting down and talking with us. I learned so much just in general about gardening. Um, I haven't done much gardening at all in my life and didn't even grow up in a, you know, in a farming community. And so I um, really appreciate your perspective um, and your passion for this. So thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Thank absolutely. That was a lot of fun getting to talk to Adam. Uh, and as you heard me say in the interview, the tool library is the coolest thing. <laughs> and I totally recommend that you guys go check that out for real. I mean, uh, get involved in the local food economy. Mm-hmm. Um, it There's a lot of stuff going on that I didn't even know about. Talk about seed exchange. Talk mm-hmm. about the tool pantry. Talk about like um, even... Uh, the dedicated row. Yeah, plant a row. Plant a row. Yeah, was uh was really fascinating. So, um, you guys totally have the opportunity to contribute to what's going on in Northwest Arkansas. Right, and it's as simple as just going to the farmers market on a Saturday. That's that's really, yeah, it's it's really easy to just support the local um, local farms and local just local food. I I. I Pulled away thinking like, oh, this isn't as hard as I think. Right. Also, Adam talked a lot about uh, how Feed Communities is kind of uh, running out of funding. So if you are somebody who is investing, is <laughs> quite literally invested in local food and vulnerable populations when it comes to food security, consider donating to Feed Communities. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, you guys have a good week and we'll see you next Monday or maybe sooner. Bye.